Welcome to the Glasgow Baptist Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Erdie Carter. We want to help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Greg. Thank you, congregation. Thank you, Praise Band, for leading us in this time of worship. And it is a time of worship that we come to this morning. We're glad to see each and every one of you here. It's a great place to be in the house of the Lord on his day. And it is the Lord's day. The Sabbath was yesterday. We Christians celebrate the Lord's day, the day of his resurrection. And so we want to ask you to stand with us this morning as we prepare our hearts to receive God's word. Stand with me, if you will. And I'm going to stand down here with you because as I've said many times before, I don't stand above you. I stand with you and we stand to receive the Word of God. We stand before the Word of God. We want the Word of God to penetrate our hearts. We want as the Scripture is read and we want as we sit and listen to the Word of God that it produces faith in us. And we all make a decision today as to what we will do with what we have heard. And pray for me as I stand in this place with you. Father, thank you, Lord, for the great privilege we have to meet in this place and at this time. And we just pray simply, as the scripture says today, that you might be lifted up. We pray, Lord, that we may see the cross, that we see the power of your resurrection, that we see the new birth, the birth from above, that you can bring in the hearts of every person who offers themselves to you and in faith says, Lord, here I am, a sinner condemned, but I ask you to save me by your power and by your grace, by your might, by your blood. Save me, O Lord. We pray, Father, that this is what we'll experience today and those in the hearing of this message may understand their need for the new birth and those of us who say we have it that we may be assured that that is our hope within us. Be with us as we speak. Help us, Lord. Help us today. Carry us along. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to take the microphone stand up here with me today. Uh, our wireless sound system at our church seems to be possessed. It's... Uh, it worked some of the time and some of the time it didn't, so we're gonna prepare for the worst, uh, that if it goes completely out, we'll have a backup. What are we gonna do, Greg? Oh, oh, you're gonna turn it on? No, I'm Oh, we're gonna make it down, lower, all right, okay. Well, I was hoping I would grow some. <clears throat> I've had a, a real struggle the last couple of weeks <clears throat> in coming to these uh, two messages. The message and, and the passage that I'm preaching on this week, I, I was going to preach on last week and then preach last week's this week. But uh, I, I don't know. I can't tell you what happened. I can't tell you why. Uh, but I preached last week's message last week, as those of you know who were here. I preached that message last week. And then I was still working on this message for the last two weeks, and I could never get to where I thought I needed to be. I could never find a clear direction. 
And so I focused on uh, what I intended to focus on last week, simply this idea of the new birth. And I had the title of that message that I was working on is what is God up to? And uh, what he's up to is redeeming the world. What he's up to is he wants everybody to know him and to be in an intimate and loving relationship with him through Jesus Christ. That is our mission. That's what this was about. And I was going to take one of my long-winded tours through everything, and I, and I thought, well, I don't know. Let's just, let's just do the new birth. So you've got the right scripture this morning, but not all of it, and you've got the wrong title, so don't worry about it, those of you who pay attention to it. I just don't want you to be confused in terms of what we're doing here. So let's go to John, the third chapter, and let's back up and go with the first verse. And we're, we're talking here about Nicodemus. <clears throat> he was, in our terms today, a seminary professor. He was a teacher of Israel. He was a Pharisee. He was a, a man who was deeply spiritual. We find him throughout the New Testament. He was here tonight uh, in a night scene talking to Jesus about concerns that he had. He came by night. Probably he didn't want to know, uh, everyone else to know that he was coming and talking to Jesus. They were standing, if you will, out on the back deck. They were standing on the patio. They were standing literally, probably up on a rooftop. It was that time of year when the wind was blowing. If you will, imagine that, that these two men are standing in the darkness, perhaps only the darkness only lit by a small lamp, and, and they're standing there and the wind is blowing against them. They can feel it moving against their robes. But something far deeper than that is going on because Nicodemus, like a lot of you today, like a lot of us have been and we still get in our walk with God, we hear things and see things from the word of God that begin to trouble us and bring us to a decision. And that decision has been talked about throughout this incident as being born again. If you will, the word can also be translated born from above. And it offers to us something that we don't have. It offers to us something that everyone who has been born of a woman and has, been, had, the, and has had the first birth but this points to something out of Jesus talking to Nicodemus, a religious man, a man who knew the scripture, a man who was honestly and seriously about serving God and loving God and worshiping God, yet he was troubled to come to Jesus and inquire, and Jesus says to him, you must be born from above. A man who came looking for eternal truth. And he's confronted when he talks to Jesus with an imponderable mystery. Everyone in this room has probably struggled with questions of eternal significance. Is there a God? Is there justice in this world and the world to come? And will I have to give an account to that judge? When I die, in what way does my life matter? When I die or my loved ones die, where are they at? In what existence do they have? And if so, will I meet them again? Is there something greater? And I think this is where Nicodemus was. Is there something greater than I'm experiencing now? 
And he had a lot of experience. A lot of times when Nicodemus lifted his heart to God, he felt the presence of God. He felt God's spirit moving in and about him. He was challenged when he heard the God, God's word. But yet Nicodemus, like many people today, who perhaps would be a member of some religious denomination or of another religious faith, say, is there something more? It feels like I'm missing something. And Nicodemus was there that night on the rooftop of that house, the wind blowing. And he says to Jesus in so many words, What's up? What is it? And Jesus said, you must be born again. And so beginning in the third chapter with that setting, now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and he said to him, Rabbi, we know that you've come from God as a teacher for no one can do these signs that you do unless God's with him. He called him a teacher. Jesus answered and said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, oh, how can a man be born when he's old? He can't enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? And Jesus answered, kind of with the same irony that, uh, that uh, Nicodemus asked the question with. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Don't be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind, they're standing in the wind. They can feel the wind against their clothing. They can feel it against their hair. Jesus says the wind blows where it wishes. You hear the sound of it, but you don't know where it comes from and you don't know where it's going. So is everyone who's born of the Spirit. Now remember in this passage, the Hebrew word for spirit and wind is the same word and in the Greek, which he was writing, John was writing in, the same word is for spirit, that is for wind. And so Jesus was making an apt comparison and I think calling to attention that Nicodemus, what you're feeling here in this wind blowing against you is the same spirit that brought you here to this place. And he says to Nicodemus, you got to be born again, Nick. You don't know where that's coming from. You don't know where it's going. And you don't understand about a lot of things about God's spirit moving in your life. But you need something that you can't do for yourself. And Jesus answered and said to him, you're a teacher of Israel and you don't understand these things. Truly I say to you, we speak of what we know and testify of what we've seen. You do not accept our testimony. Jesus was talking about where he was from. John has talked about him coming from heaven itself, being in fellowship with God. He was God, the word of God. And if, if I told you earthly things in the 12th verse, 
and, and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven but he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And Moses lifted up the servant in the wilderness. Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up so that whoever believes will in him have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but the world might be saved through him. That's what God is up to. Judgment day is not now. The day of mercy is now. And in the 18th verse, he who believes in him, trusts in him, in other words, is not judged, but he who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. This is the judgment, Jesus says that light has come into the world and men love the darkness rather than light for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and he does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. You may believe today that these questions are answered for yourself. You talk to many people who have an absolute and utter confidence. They're not against religion, they just think religion as they know it and they see it as completely irrelevant. You can do what you want to, I do what I want to. You may believe today that your questions have all been answered and what you answer uh, and what the answers that you've got are satisfactory to you. Nicodemus didn't feel that way. And it's to those of you who are in Nicodemus's place that I specifically want to talk today. And if you have the mercy and the grace to listen, it's perhaps the Holy Spirit will speak to you as he had to Nicodemus about this one he called Jesus. Because I tell you, before Jesus came on the scene, Nicodemus would have been quite confident that his life was right where it needed to be. He was born a Jew. He had been given the law. He was a teacher of the law. By everything about his life, how he lived and what he did and what he said was just fine until he heard the man from Galilee speak. And as you can tell from this conversation, the point was he wasn't just from Galilee. He was from heaven. He was from the Father himself. So it's no accident that Jesus uses the term born again. Have you been born again? Jesus said a, a man must be born from above. Everyone has been born. I don't guess there's anybody here that was hatched, were you? Some of you may act like it, I don't, but, but yet you've not been hatched. Everybody here had the birth experience that is in this room today and probably within the sound of my voice. So far, I don't think that we'll face that moral dilemma later that there are going to be human beings created completely outside the womb and 
come to be delivered more or less from a test tube, we would say. That won't be in a test tube, but they more or less are delivered that way. But today, when we come and look at this passage, everyone in this room has that experience of having been born. And when you were born, there was a relationship established. And if we go by the original title of this message, it is what's God's up to. He's up to establishing a relationship with you. When you were born, you were born into a family. It might have been a crazy family. It might have been the most loving family ever. Maybe it was a family in which you were almost immediately abandoned, but somebody put you in some kind of family. And so it is when, we're, have the, when we have the new birth. We're placed in a family of God. We're placed in the body of Christ, the church. So there's a relationship that is established. The second birth makes you a child of God. Jesus said you must be born again. Well, why is it necessary if you're going to be plugged into a God who is spirit, who has revealed himself in flesh in Jesus Christ, why is another birth necessary? Could we not just say, well, I agree to your terms and therefore I will follow you. Now that's every other religion. Every other religion says this is a truth. Now abide by that and you'll have enlightenment. But Christianity says that there is a birth experience, a birth from above. And why? Well, let me just say a few things to you. The unborn in the womb, while not dead, they're not alive to this world that we live in. It's unknown to them. They don't experience it. They don't know about it. They haven't breathed air yet. They haven't eaten a meal prepared by someone they loved and put their feet under their table and felt that love and that relationship that is there. Oh, it's an intimate experience. Getting their nutrients from the mother, but they don't know that and they don't know what it is to live in this world. Their eyes have not seen the pictures that we see when we look around this world and stand just down at Barren River Lake and look at the sun set over that place. I tell you, there is not a more beautiful place on the face of this earth, no matter where you may go. The unborn have not seen that, don't know about it, have not experienced it. They've not loved someone so dearly, loved them so dearly and then experienced their absence because that person broke their heart or that person died and went away far quicker than they experienced. They have not experienced all of that heartbreak from a love that is absent. And in the same way, Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, you have to be born again because you don't know God like he wants you to know him. You're dead to God. A bold statement to a Jewish man who loved God's word, who loved God's word, who loved the worship of God, who loved to tell other people about God. But Jesus says there's something that you lack. 
And the reason he lacked it, he didn't have it, and that you and I don't have it, and nobody has it just because they're born. They don't have the second birth because the Son of Man had to be lifted up to give us that second birth. And lifted up means that he's lifted up on the cross, connected with Moses, lifting up the servant in the wilderness and so forth and so on. It was a code word for Nicodemus. We'll not go into it today, but, but certainly understood. Jesus was saying, the Messiah, I will have to suffer. And why would he have to suffer? Jesus says this way. He doesn't tell Nicodemus because you're a terrible sinner because Nicodemus wasn't a terrible sinner. But his great sin was that light came into the world and he, like everybody else, loved darkness rather than light. And so he stayed where he was and was clinging, even standing there, to what Jesus said they had perverted, which was the law of God, and, and hidden its meaning. And Jesus was saying, there's something else that must happen. Nick, you've got to have a, 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 a life from above. And you have sinned in that way in that the light is before you and you've come in darkness. But the spirit, spirit still speaks. You feel it? That wind, that longing in your heart, that nagging thing as you read the prophets and read the psalmist David that there is something more to life that God has something more for me and I see the miracles you perform, Nick was saying, Nicodemus was saying, I see the miracles you perform, I see the words you speak. My heart is challenged by them. Jesus is saying a lot of things to Nicodemus, but one of the implications is that as it is in birth, our birth, it is not our will, our desire, to be born the first time in our life, to be born from our mother. No one's born because they decided to be, in other words. I've gotten mad at my parents in a particular mean thing to say, and you know, we've probably all used this argument at one time or another, I didn't ask to be born. I didn't ask to be, well, it's exactly right. We never asked, it wasn't our desire that brought us into this world. Heard of a mother who got up one morning. She's trying to get everybody out the door, including her husband. The husband was lollygagging around. She's trying to get little Robert ready for school and try to get him off. She had things she had to do. She's working, working, working to get it done. The dad lollygagged around and did whatever he was doing. And he didn't get out the door in time to get little Robert to school on time. And so she very hurriedly writes a note. She sends it with Robert and says, give this to the teacher. And when little Robert got to school late, a teacher unfurled the note and looked at it and said, please excuse Robert for being tardy. He is his father's fault. <laughs> well, you know what that woman intended to say, but what she actually said goes back to this point is, if it was literally true, then it wasn't her desire that little Robert come into the world and he had nothing to do with it. This was all about his dad and everything from henceforth was. You understand how the note read. 
Little Robert certainly didn't ask to be late for school and he didn't ask to come into this world. No one who is saved or born again is by his own will. I believe whosoever will may come. But I believe that we love darkness quite naturally better than we love the light and we don't just naturally come to the Lord. It is the darkness that we must be called out of. And it's not by our will that we come to the Lord. We don't just agree to terms. We agree to surrender ourselves to him and to be born again. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he, forgave his, that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 8 and 29. For those whom he foreknew, that's you and I, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son so that we would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. Now, it's a complicated passage, but I say that to say to you that when we're born again, that is by God's will from above and entirely upon his works. And the only way we come to have the new birth is to come to accept that God has done that. And that was Nicodemus's place that night. Can I accept that everything I have learned so far is incomplete, that I need something? And Jesus says unequivocally, yes. And Paul says, before the foundation of the world, you were predestined. That, world does, that word, by the way, doesn't mean that if you're number six, you're in a fix, and seven, you're on to heaven. That doesn't mean that. It means that everybody, that God looked before the foundation of the world, looked back in John, he, uh, in, in the first chapter of his book, he affirms those very things that from the foundation of the world, God knew about redemption. He knew about you. He knew he would speak to you. He knew he would call you unto himself. And he knew that the Holy Spirit would say to you, you need a change that comes from above. That makes it critical. That makes it urgent. And every one of us who were born, there was an urgency about our being born. Oh, today, you know, we schedule the time we're going to be born. It may not be urgent, but when you get there and they start whatever started or nature itself has started that process, it's not something you can say, hold on a minute. I think we're just going to back up here. My mother said that she got in the elevator and backed up against the elevator and opened the door and there were about five doctors. And mom said, I just backed up further in the elevator. I, I wasn't for sure if I wanted to go through with what I was going to go through with. And little did she know what she was going to have to go through with or much beyond that. People would say, you only had one child? And she'd say, yes, who could have had two like him? <laughs> so there's an urgency about birth, isn't there? It's not something you can say when you get to the hospital. I, I think we're not going to do this. We may have choices about how we do it. And so it is with being born again. No one who's born understands it. That was Nicodemus's place that day. He, he didn't understand all that Jesus was saying. We don't grasp where we came from as children. I heard a story about a little girl 
who had been assigned a one-page research paper, and, and the uh, teacher said, you write this research paper on anything you want to, but I want it to be a research paper. In other words, I want you to talk to people about what you're finding out. The little girl went home, smart little girl, and uh, her mother heard about the assignment and said to her, what's your subject gonna be on this research paper? And she said, uh, it, it's, uh, the subject of this is, is, is gonna be uh, about where babies come from. Oh, the mother said. You know, all kinds of things went up in her mind. I'm going to, uh, it's where babies come from. Well, she said, that's interesting. He said, she said, the little girl said, let's begin. She said, where did I come from? Well, it's one of those conversations the mother wasn't willing to have right then. So she said to the little girl, the stork brought you. The stork brought me, she said. She wrote it down. She said to her mother, well, where did you come from? The mother thought she was on a roll and she said, well, the stork brought me too. That Sunday at dinner, her grandmother shows up. She tells the grandma about the research paper. She'd already been briefed by the mother and she says to the grandmother, now I'm doing this research paper on where babies come from. Where did you come from, grandma? And she said, why, the stork brought me. Girl sits down at the kitchen table and she's gonna write her paper and the mother's overlooking what she says. And the first lines of the research paper went like this. In three generations in our family, none of our family was born by natural means. <laughs> that little girl knew more about where babies come from than anybody in that family thought at that time. And that's the way it is with children, isn't it? They pick up on more than we know. But basically, we don't understand birth. The more we do understand about it, the absolute miracle that happens. So many things that could go wrong that most often do not go wrong. We, we don't understand it basically is what I wanted to say. And certainly people in that day knew a lot about it and midwives were very attuned to what happened in the birth process, but by and large, it still was a mystery. Children don't basically grasp where they came from or about the birth process until they get a little older. But if we're the person being born, we don't have to understand it. Isn't that wonderful, Greg? If we're the person being born, we don't have to know a thing about that. And to be born again, you don't have to, to know. Jesus said, you have to believe. And as I talked about last week, the first step of being a Christian is to trust, is to believe. And that's where Nicodemus was that night. He had to believe. Jesus could have taken him through the Old Testament scriptures as he did people, especially on the road to Emmaus. We hear about that. He preached a sermon about who he was and how the Christ must suffer and rise again. Certainly Jesus could be preached in the Old Testament. They did it. He, he simply says to Nicodemus, who knew all of that, Nicodemus, you don't have to understand what I'm saying. You have to understand that the spirit, that wind you feel, is moving in your life and is moving you in that direction, Nicodemus, or you wouldn't be standing here tonight. And what you must do is believe. And after you believe, that's when knowledge comes. It's just like it is in birth. 
Perhaps knowledge has begun to grow or perhaps belief has begun to grow and the need for belief has begun to grow in your life. You hear him call. Maybe you hear the intellectual appeal of the gospel. You look around and you say, there must be justice. You look in your own heart and you say, there must be a remedy for what I feel. Perhaps you've lived all of your life and you've been successful, but you've lived to this point and what you find is a profound sense of emptiness there. And you say, is this Jesus? who is different from all other religious leaders, who died and rose again, and he said he did it for me. Is that the kind of new birth that he talks about that I need in my life? Then believe in him. Maybe it is sorrow for your own sin. You've literally reached a place in your life where you've done just about everything there is to do. And you say, I can't go on. And guess who shows up? The Jesus who paid in his own body by his own blood on the cross of Calvary for your sins and says, you must be born again. Maybe you approach Jesus this morning with an overwhelming gratitude. Something has happened in your life that you cannot explain. Something good has happened. You've been healed. You've been redeemed from the bondage of some addiction, from something in your life. You've been redeemed and you relied on God to get through that. But when you get through, you realize through that experience, you stand and realize the person who redeemed you was Jesus because you couldn't have got there by yourself. God has already done something for you in your life that you could not do for yourself and you realize as Jesus speaks to you and the Spirit moves that He's asking you to trust Him, to believe in Him. Nicodemus, at some point, was born again. We don't know where. There's no, let's get down on our knees and pray here. We don't know that it was then, but we know Jesus shows, we know that Nicodemus shows up in the chapter, in the seventh chapter of John, and he's speaking, trying to speak for Jesus and his testimony. And we know he shows up with others who were believers at Jesus' crucifixion. I don't know when he got it, and I don't know how he got it. But I know that that talk he had with Jesus was a turning point in his life because he understood this. Nick, you don't know where this wind comes from and you don't know where it's going. You don't know, Nick, where it's coming from or where it's going. You don't understand the things that God can do. You don't understand the miracles I perform, but you know it points to God. Nick, you hear those robes flapping? What happens comes from above by the Spirit of God. You may have been a member of Glasgow Baptist Church for a long time, but really if you admit to yourself, I'm really a Nicodemus. 
I close my eyes, I just see the backs of my eyeballs. I don't see anything or hear anything. I'm here because I know I want to be faithful. I'm here because it means something to you. But I'll tell you, preacher, if you talked about me really being born again, I've never had that experience. You believe and trust in Jesus, and then the knowledge comes. I'm not talking about a whoopee religion. I'm talking about something that is real and meaningful in your life. Not wishful thinking. I'm talking about faith that is solid as a rock. Because in biblical terms, it's built upon that rock. Oh, this morning I plead with you. Be born again. You must be born from above if you're going to have eternal life. Let's stand and sing a song of invitation. Let's stand and I ask you this morning to come, if you will, and receive Jesus Christ. You say, why do you ask us to come? Well, you don't have to come down the aisle to be saved. There's nothing that's said about that. Nicodemus wasn't at a church, wasn't at a synagogue, wasn't down at the temple. He was there talking to Jesus on the porch, but the Holy Spirit was speaking to him. And he had a decision to make. You have a decision this morning having heard the gospel. And having heard it, you'll accept or reject it. You may put it off, but that is to reject it. And I'm not telling you about dire consequences. Oh, yes, God doesn't have to say to you again and again and again, you must be born again, especially if you know that God's asking you to make a decision. He doesn't have to go beyond that. But I say there's an urgency to finding the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. There is a judgment to come. And more immediately, there is the blessings of living with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. There is the difference between being unborn in the womb and coming out into a world that is so much more than you could possibly imagine. You say, well, I look at people in the church and I don't see that. Do you realize that people who study the church says at least a third of the church members in the church aren't even Christians? They're cultural Christians. Have you been born again? Let God speak to you right now and be born again. I'll meet you here. I want to pray with you. I'll meet you outside when this service is over with. I'll somewhere talk to somebody about being born again. Brother Greg.